Good morning. Good to see you all here, either live, in person, or on Zoom. So great to have you with us. Now, I got to tell you, Sunday, it is, uh, we're all in the same boat. Nobody is happy that we have to go online for Sunday service. We're all, we're all disappointed with that, that we can't meet. But I got a challenge for you. Do we serve a risen Savior? Come on, right? Do we serve a risen Savior? All right, so whether we're online, in person, however we are meeting, let's celebrate together. Come on. Let's get together, whether you're at home and you're watching when the band starts playing their songs and they're going for it and they're looking for hand clapping to an empty room. Can you clap at home for us? Can you join with us and stir up a little excitement because you don't serve? That's right. You don't serve a king that's in the grave. You serve a king that's on the throne right? And so let's, let's act like that, all right? This is not a time for us to be, you know, all down in the dumps about a, a service being delayed or canceled. This is a time for us to celebrate because this is a stone that was rolled away, all right? This is just a momentary thing that we're going to get by. We're going to say, this too shall pass. We're going to look at this like we've looked at every tragic event in our past and said, who was walking with me through that? Jesus, every single step of the way. What did I have to fear in that time? Nothing, nothing. But before we get to Easter Sunday, we've got to go through Good Friday, don't we? Because our view, our perspective, our opinion of God, our concept of God will always shape our expectations of what God should be able to do and how he should interact with us. Even in a situation like we're facing now, our perspective on God shapes what we think should be happening in our culture and community around us or how we should respond with God to the pandemic and to all the things that go along with that. Now, depending on how you view God and how you think God should be interacting with it, that's going to be how you respond. Maybe you're, maybe you're the type that's ripping off your mask after servicing, going, you know what, I did it for the people in there, but everybody else, guess what, you get me mask-free. Maybe that's your perspective. Maybe you're masked up, and maybe you got three masks on. We can only see one, but you're three deep in your mask to try to keep everybody safe and keep yourself safe from all the people that are ripping off their mask. Whatever your perspective is on, on God and how God interacts with the world, it's shaping your response. Whether you think God should in some way in injustice or, or in whatever come in and redo this or whether we should be taking larger faith steps and saying, you know what, we don't need to worry about this pandemic. We can walk in security that nothing's going to happen to us. Now, I don't remember reading in there about pandemics. You know, I heard snake bites in, you know, the Bible saying we'll be able to walk around and not have snakes bite us and we won't get sick or things like that. Didn't mention anything about pandemics. I'm not sure we can go that far. But what I do know is, what I do know is our perspective of God will shape our response to the world around us. It shapes our response to what goes on, not just to the world around us, what goes on right here in our hearts. And today, through those scripture readings, what we looked at today, what we heard today, it reminds us that on the original uh, account of Jesus on the cross, we hear that same thing. We hear people passing by saying, if you are the son of God, come down off that cross. Chief priests and scribes 
And their elders are saying, he saved others. Let's see if he can save himself. Even the criminals who knew they were there for a reason, they deserved what they were getting on the cross. Even them, they were taunting him, toying with him, looking for some way to deflect against what they themselves were there for. Because we are imperfectly human, we always try to form God in our image rather than allowing God to transform us into his. Now, Scripture is ultimately a story about God and humanity, and he desires to restore and transform his beloved creation. And it's the best story to explain what we see going on in the world around us each and every day and what goes on in our hearts. A world where we exchange truth for a lie. When sin entered the world, it affected everything, including each of us. We fall short of who God made us to be as his image bearers. When we arbitrarily and yet really selfishly decide right from wrong for ourselves, we begin to see all manner of behavior which harms us as his image bearers. Whether we be men or women, whether it's families or singles, marriages, nations, ethnicities, classes, whatever it is, sin affects it, doesn't it? John Piper, he once looked at the idea of sin and he, he talked about it like this. He said, the sin is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savored, the faithfulness of God not trusted, the promises of God not believed, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, and the person of God not loved. That is what sin looks like. When we look at the character and the perfection and the beauty of who God is, and we not, whatever it is. But instead, what do we do? We exchange God for self, don't we? We exchange God for self in all those places where the glory of self is honored. The belief of self is reverenced. The greatness of self is admired. The power of self is praised. The truth of self is ultimate, is it not today? The wisdom of self is esteemed. The beauty of self is treasured. The goodness of self is savored. The feelings of self is trusted. We could go on and on. The justice of self is respected. The wrath of self is feared. The person of self is worshipped. You name it. Whatever it is, sin has affected it. But Jesus on the cross confronts the power that sin has. Today, just like that day on Calvary, there are three perspectives of looking at the cross. One is where we see the cross 
but we, we don't actually see the cross. Those who can't see the relevance of the cross for themselves. Maybe all those of selves, those, those things where self is trusted and self is believed and self is worshipped and self is respected have caused, caused a blurring of what the cross does for us where we don't even realize the importance and the significance of the cross to our lives. And we can't really see it. We can't see it's important and it's value and why we actually need to not just look to the cross, but cling to the cross. Maybe that's one perspective that people see the cross today. The second is of this. It's a large cross and it's right in front of you. And it's right there. And it's those who first see it and respond to the invitation of love. It's this cross that we would see the one criminal on the side of Jesus. And he says, will you, will you remember me in paradise today? He sees what's being offered even in his moment of death. And he reaches out for that love. Maybe it's seen in, in the centurion who looks up and he sees the way in which Jesus is dying. He sees the respect and the dignity that he holds while at the same time suffering such humiliation. And he says, surely he is the Son of God. The cross right there and you receive it. Maybe three, the third view of the cross, over time it gets a lot smaller. We don't see it as, as prevalent in our lives. We don't see it right there, bold in front of us. That's both embracing yet offending when we see Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. This cross has gotten behind us a bit. It's almost like in a rear view mirror. Over time, it becomes small in proportion to other things in our life. And those other things can range, can't they? It could be things like offense to truth. It could be wounding from another Christian or the church. But it could be just varying opinions and philosophies on life. And it even could be that we think that we've gone beyond the cross. That the cross was a moment that we needed to have, but then our faith goes past the cross. That we made that decision. We're like, yeah, I... I can remember the day that I gave, myself, I gave my life to Jesus at the cross. And since then, I've been moving past that in my walk with him. And what's really required of us is to keep that cross right in front of us at all times. There is no getting past the cross within Christianity. There's no part of your walk with Jesus that says you've been there, done that, don't need to think of that and rely on that anymore. We live at the foot of the cross. Today, Jesus calls us to embrace two types of death. Two deaths, which because God is for us, brings us life. Now the first death is the death of Jesus. What it means, or maybe what it means, or what it doesn't mean, depending on how we embrace that death. Rebecca McLaughlin says it like this, if Jesus is the bread of life, loss of Jesus means starving. If Jesus is the light of the world, loss of Jesus means darkness. 
If Jesus is the good shepherd, loss of Jesus means wandering alone and lost. If Jesus is the resurrection and the life, loss of Jesus is eternal death. And if Jesus is the Lamb of God sacrificed for our sins, loss of Jesus means paying the price for ourselves. How deep is that? How true is that? How do you view Jesus today? What concept of God or image of God do you have? Do you see him as those things? Do you embrace him as those things? Or do you see those things as something you don't need to hold on to anymore? Remember what sin does. Sin affects everything. Every part of our lives is affected by how we embrace or don't embrace who Jesus is, what he does for us, and what that can mean for our lives. Now, God for us never means that God condones sin, where he's okay with what goes on, because that isn't love. God for us never means that God excuses sin, because that too wouldn't be love. Because here's what's true of me I'm guilty. I'm guilty of of exchanging God for self, which is the heart of sin. But here's the beauty of how God responds to that. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In my exchange of God for self, taking in that that sin nature, when I do that, how does he respond? Is he offers an exchange of sin for God. He says, I'll take your sin and I'll give you me. I'll take your brokenness and your pain and your suffering, the things that you do to yourself, I'll take all that so you can have my righteousness. How beautiful is that? That when we reject him, his response to that is saying, listen, I'll take that brokenness that you just took. I'll take that sin. I'll take it and I'll, I'll embrace it so that you can embrace this new life in me. Which is why in Romans 10, 9 to 13, we say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified And with the mouth one confesses and saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We come to the cross because we need to call on God. We come to the cross because we need to confess our sin, confess who we are, confess that we we almost daily sometimes choose self over God and we forget what he has offered us in exchange and we, we allow it to bring brokenness to our lives instead of clinging to the cross and the righteousness of God that it gives us. 
Today, do you need to stop trying to be your own savior and trust exclusively in the saving power of Jesus to be and do for you what you could never do for your own? Now, the second death. Sometimes it can feel easy to embrace that first death Say, yes, of course I'll take Jesus and what he offers me. Of course I'll take that. I'll take what I know I can't do in my own strength. I'll take that and I'll, I'll grab onto that because I know, Pastor, what that means for me if I accept that. And yet there's a second death that Jesus asks us to embrace. We need to look at the call of Jesus for each of us to die to self. What the Bible calls our flesh. In Luke 9, 23 to 24, it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What did I say? We never lose sight of the cross, do we? Never lose sight of what we need to do to die to self, to take up our cross and follow him, to remember what he has done for us so we can live, not in shame, not in condemnation, not in guilt of our sin, but clinging to the cross because of the righteousness and the freedom that we've exchanged in that moment. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Because those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. In love, what is Jesus calling you to die in your life today? What is Jesus saying to you? You know what? You may need to bring that to the cross. You may need to bring that to the cross and you may need to let that die at the foot of the cross. You may need to call on the cross and say, Jesus, I've allowed these things in my life and I haven't let self fully die. I want to cling to what you have for me, God, but there's parts of me that I haven't let you fully reign in my life. This Good Friday, Jesus is calling. And he's saying, come embrace the cross. Embrace what I've done for you on the cross and embrace what you need to do by denying self and taking up your cross. God for us, rooted in love, looks like a call to follow, to surrender, repent, experience conviction, yet instead of trying to make ourselves more like Jesus, just like in salvation, we admit we need the work of the Spirit in the full body of Christ to help us die to self so our whole lives can bring glory to God. Today, whether you've come to church every year, every week, every whatever for the last however long you can remember, whether this is your, your first time in church or the first time in our Zoom meeting or, or wherever you are, I ask you, what is God saying to you today. Like Pastor Ingrid said earlier, let's take a moment just to reflect on where the cross is in our lives. Is it like that picture where 
Was there a cross in it? Or was it, was it a large cross right in front of you there to be received? Was it a cross that's, that's diminished and gone back in, in the, 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 the background, only in the rear view mirror? Is it something that you only remember because it's, it's worn on your neck or, or maybe hanging from your rear view mirror in your car? Where does the cross figure in your life today? Maybe how do you need to die to self today? So today I invite you. I invite you to two deaths, to embrace two deaths today. The death of our Lord and Savior and what it accomplishes for us, that exchange of sin for righteousness. And I invite you to that second death of death to self, picking up our cross and following him today. Because when we do that, guess what we know? Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. That death to self, that death of what we thought we cherished, what we needed to hold on to, what we thought was giving us life, when we allow it to die, and maybe even sometimes feel like we need to grieve what we thought was the life we wanted to live in order to pick up what God has for us. Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. Resurrection life is coming. What you thought you couldn't have is there even more abundantly in life in Christ. Today I invite you to come to the foot of the cross, lay it down before him for what he has to exchange for you today. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for doing what we could never do in our own strengths. God, what we try to do almost seemingly daily where we try to earn enough, be enough, do enough, be good enough in order to earn something in life, to earn the, the honor, the respect, the goodness, the, the whatever, to feel like we're, we're good enough. And yet, God, our righteousness is its filthy rags. Our best efforts in our own strength will never measure up. And so, God, we cling to your cross today. We pray that your cross would be prevalent in our lives each and every day, reminding us of the exchange of beauty uh, and ashes, how that, that, that exchange happens from our, our sin to your righteousness, God. We cling to that. But God, we also want to die to self, to see that part of us inside of us that we daily take up our cross and follow you. Take a second right now, God, to even, even call out in our, in, our, in our spirits, in our minds, the things that we know that need to die to self today. The areas of our lives we have not given to you. We lay them at your cross, God. If you're here this morning, God is transforming you, either for the first time with salvation or by a rebirth in, in, in dying to self. We pray that this morning, God. We ask for new life in you. We surrender our lives to you. We lay them down at the cross. We ask for forgiveness of sin. We confess with our mouths that you are Lord. And we believe in our hearts 
that only you can bring us that righteousness and that wholeness. And we claim it at the foot of the cross today. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.